It's the Jilted Indian Podcast. It's Pooja, Miranda, and Anju. We are here bringing you the latest news on Hassan Minaj. Jazz hands! <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. So, good morning from Austin. We are at Anju's place again, and we are groggy. <laughs> but more importantly, we woke up after a night of sleep just after watching Homecoming King by Hassan Minaj, and it was brilliant. So for those of you who don't know, Homecoming King is Hassan's first Netflix special. Uh, sorry, Hassan Bai's first Netflix special <laughs> that came out May 23rd. And if you were lucky enough to see him on tour, none of the information is new to you, none of the material, but the background graphics were amazing yes. as part of his storytelling. Yes. And so we wanted to talk about Hassan since we love him. Several of us would have married, fucked, or killed him. We all chose love marriage. Yeah, we all chose love marriage. Okay. We- Although I have since recon- reconsidered because I've realized that we could not have kids together because they would have ridiculously large eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe her until we watched the special. I turned to Anju <laughs> and I said, Anju, you were right. <laughs> y'all would look like... Like flood lamps, y'all, yes, is what I'm saying. Yes, like... Pixar's little lamp with the lights. Like, that's your eyes. So, anyway, we wanted to talk about this, considering he just came off the high of hosting the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Yes. So he's on the the uptick, and one of the, the best lines he had in the Correspondents' Dinner speech, we linked to it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Pod. And he said, nobody wanted this job. So obviously an immigrant came in to do it. (laughs) So from there, you knew Hassan was just going to be real about who he is, what he represents in his worldview. And that is such a refreshing change. It was actually almost cabaret style. It was not your standard stand-up special. And he was, I mean, raw. He had camera shots where he was looking straight at you when he was telling you these things. And it wasn't like he was acting because it was his damn story. Right. Mm -hmm. So while he may have done that several times, I'm sorry, but that was like, it was just so exposed and there was nothing between you and him in this story. You couldn't hide. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know how a a non-Indian would hear this story i had a bajillion white friends be like have you watched homecoming king yet Miranda? have you watched homecoming king yet and i think the reason why is because several of them have read my articles and a lot of my articles talk about trauma in my life and he told that story in such a funny way even even though it was like oh god you know when he was talking about parents that hate their kids oh my god that was amazing yeah (laughs) i fell asleep for that part uh (laughs) it was so good he was talking about how like there's like a 13 episode series about a child that gets hit and this is oh yes the slap yes Yes, 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 i wasn't waiting for this which actually was an american version of an australian show if i remember correctly yes yeah and that show i remember reading about it because it was a social experiment they just put a bunch of people at a birthday party several of whom are only actors like the main people and everybody witnesses another man slap another man's kid or another woman slap another person's kid and so the whole 13 episode series was everybody's reaction to that that's what the premise of that show was. And so the joke Hassan made was that... 13 episodes for this? That, yeah, that's a <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> and he goes... No, because like, it was at a birthday party, right? Yeah, and his yeah. joke was like, 
That's like every Indian birthday party, and it's usually the kid <laughs> whose birthday it is. Who <laughs> gets slapped, and then all your homies are like, oh, you just got hit. Well, he was talking about is like a lot of kids. It's really interesting because the way we define physical abuse is, well, are there marks? Yeah. Did you get bruises? And the thing is, is that he's like, uh, American kids get hit. And they get bruised. Indian kids get hit. Slap in the face. And, and, and a bruise in the soul. <laughs> and like, it bruises your soul. And when he showed, when he showed the spelling bee kid <laughs> not react to winning the fucking spelling bee. And then he pants to the parents who have no emotion. And then the little brother, no emotion. No, Who's dying inside. No, no, no. The little brother had emotion. It was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I can't outdo my older brother. Yeah. Yeah, oh my god. Shout out Dr. Bailey and the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Hey, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just like, look! It's <laughs> like, this kid just won $30,000 and he has a stone face. <laughs> Maybe the second best joke of this entire yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Because you know that kid has to get 30000 more to go to the Ivy League 60, college he wants 61. to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the best joke was about the little brother because the little brother is just like, I, like Andrew said, he's like, oh, fuck. Because if you know anything about the Scripps National Spelling Bee, there are siblings and cousins and relatives who go on there and it's like, it has to be a family rivalry of who got what in what round. So this mother... You don't have to watch the Scripps Spelling me to know that you just have to be Indian to understand how this works. Well, I'm telling you, for our few non-Indian listeners. Uh, <laughs> how did you do in your spelling bees, by the way? I got off out on the word... I got off. Ah! On the word! Whoa! Okay. On the word tortoise in third grade, in fourth grade, in front of the whole school. And I was like, fuck this shit. I know I spelled that word right. And then I was then I was just like, oh, the spelling bee ain't for me. Tortoise. 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 Yeah. yeah. I'm like, if they had asked me to spell library in February, there would have been one less R. Yeah. How did you get? I actually didn't compete in the I library. got past my classroom, but then they brought the entire school winners that's together, and that's the one I, the one I yeah. lost. Yeah. In the fourth round. And I don't, I don't recall it being a word I can spell now. I recall it being a difficult word. So it was just like, oh. Oh, you must have gone to a better did you school just, than I. Did you, no. Did you give the Indian girl a harder word? Because, like, expectations. <laughs> we have provenance. I got, but sorry, we could derail from this conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. So little, little um, brother, you look at him and he's just sitting there like, shit. <laughs> and the joke Hassan makes is, this is how Bobby Jindals are for. <laughs> <laughs> that joke will keep me warm on cold nights. Yeah. <laughs> The origin of a comic book supervillain. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Oh my god, write that, Anju. Copyright Anju. Don't you fuckers steal that idea. Hashtag uh, Piyush Baez origin story. Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, The other, uh, of course, he told all of his stories, and a lot of his stories were heart-wrenching, but they were told with comedy. I mean, there were stories that needed to be told, the origins of how he experienced racism, and how it was intertwined with love and how, I mean, it's heart-wrenching when he talks about, he go, goes over the story of a girl that he loved, like his first, you know, love in high school. And uh, he knew her family. She knew his family. They were going to go to prom together. She kissed him, said she loves him. And... The thing that killed me the most when he was telling made me want to cry was she saw me and it was okay. Like when she went over to his house and there was a Bollywood movie. He mentioned a Bollywood movie that I recognized the title of, uh, Kapikushi Gami Gami. And, and, 
and then you know fucking mom was cooking Indian food pakora, it, yeah fried pakora, pakora. Fried pakora and like um, you know the mom and dad were arguing and I was just and she accepted that she was like no it's cool that's literally any Indian house you walk into yeah right? and, <laughs> and it may not be pakoras but it's something it reminded <laughs> me of a friend of mine from my undergrad Eric who came over with me to get something from my house and we drove from Arlington uh, to my parents because I went to UT Arlington we drove to my parents' house to grab this thing, and we open the door, and Eric looks at me and smells. He's like, it smells like Indian food. <laughs> like, it just, like, caught me in the stereotype, and I was just like, yeah. And I can, I can, I, when he said, like, the love he felt, like, when she said, I think this is great, I was just like, <sighs> you know, because I was so scared to show my white friends my Indian side, and... I remember when I would invite people over to my house, I'm like, it's a gaudy monstrosity. And I had friends go, oh my God, I love this, and I love this, and I love this. And I just remember feeling that love for them when it was something I shouldn't be embarrassed. When they made me realize it was something I shouldn't be embarrassed by. And, uh, of course, I didn't go, oh, well, cool, I can be myself. I, I got, you know, I tried to hide it and more and more and more and more and more as I grew up. But I remember that feeling. And then when he talked about the most heartbreaking part was when he like went through all that trouble to lie about not going to prom and gets on a bike, sweats his way in a suit all the way to this girl's house, opens the door. What the mom was the door mom. Yeah. And then like sees another guy putting a (coughs) corsage on her and he was just like, what? Mm -hmm. And they handed him the fucking blow like it was there's gonna be pictures being taken our family in nebraska is gonna be seeing it da, 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 da. and i remember brackets our racist family in nebraska is gonna be seeing that right oh, we can't have brown people in this picture it, it took me right back i i was crying like i uh, i was asleep during this part. you were <laughs> <laughs> i was crying because and and the funny thing is it took me a while to cascade through my fucking memories just mm-hmm. to remember what heart broke my heart so bad it made me realize i didn't process something i i need to of course i have my shitty first draft Brene brownism shitty first draft of the story but i want to say my first love quote unquote because i don't think it was love back then i think it was probably like my first validation um <laughs> my first long-term validation boyfriend we met and I remember I should have saw the sign. I should have saw the, saw the red flags. I mean, he made me meet his parents like a fucking month in. Mm. Yeah, weird. And then when he told his parents that they were going to meet me and that he was dating someone, I said, where are they from? And he's like, Iowa. And I was like... Oh, red flag number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, so Congressperson Stephen King. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I said, um, did you tell them I'm Indian? And... Throwback to the scene from Get Out. Yeah, like, did you tell them I'm Indian? And he goes, um, no. And I was They don't like, see color, because white's not a Yeah, color. yeah, and so I, well, I was like, you need to tell them that I'm Indian. Like, I, I remember getting mad at him. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do you just, when you're telling somebody about somebody you're dating, how does... Their identity... Their race, if you're, like, cornbread from fucking Iowa... How does how do you not bring up the race of the girl you're dating? You know what I mean? And he just I mean, he just had a divorce. 
that finalized a few months prior. And I, you know, I got really mad. I was like, why, why would you not tell them I'm Indian? What did he say? What was his reason? Um, he's like, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Red flag it. number three. <laughs> okay, so, so then I met the parents, and of course, I'm great with parents. I can't, like, his mom was fucking weird and she yeah anyway i don't have to like her um i don't have to like any of them so like i although i got along with them and it was fine i can converse with anyone it's my manipulative powers so i months months later we break up we broke up for several reasons like i think i stopped being who he the person who he fell for and you know of course i wasn't taking care of myself and if you want to read more about that, find Sisters in Law blog. And I pub- uh, published, what, four articles under Pooja's website uh, blog about it. There were other problems, but in the end, the blow he delivered that destroyed me. It didn't destroy me right away. Um, in fact, it was like... The slow <laughs> burn. It was, it, was, it was shock. No. I said, you know, was, did race have anything to do with it? Like, is, is it because I'm not white? And it's okay, you can tell me it's not the first time I've been denied by a guy because I'm not white. It's not the first time. And so I can take it, right? Mm -hmm. I got him to be honest with me, and he said, there were cultural differences that would have made this difficult. Cultural differences that would have made this difficult. And you know what the origin of that was? It was when I told him I wouldn't know, I wouldn't want to have children or I'm not sure I would want to have children because the, this happened to me when I was a kid. I opened up to him about my trauma. I said, this is the only example of parenting I've ever seen. And I don't know how to parent a child Mm -hmm. properly because I never saw it. And so I think he took that to mean our cultures are completely different and like <clears throat> he yeah he said there were cultural differences that would have made this different i don't know if he was referring to the trauma that i experienced or his own you know family's racism but his he met up with his parents just weeks before we broke up and his mom and dad said all these things like oh her family's got physical therapists we've got chiropractors bullshit reasons and uh it's like vaccines versus homeopathic herbs yeah like like, it was bullshit so like anyway it was all it's all (laughs) I, i and it took me years to get over this years because after he said there were cultural differences that would have made this difficult in the end i called my friend brooke who now lives in dc i called her she was in indiana at the time and i said he said this and I guess I get it like it's fine it's not the first time a guy's been racist with me and Brooke goes she's white and blonde and she goes Miranda that is not okay (laughs) like I had to have my blonde white friend go that's not okay Mm -hmm. what he said to you is not okay by any stretch of the imagination and I had just parked at Justney's house when Brooke told me this Uh, Justney's a mutual friend of ours childhood friend and Shout out Jessie. hey Jessie. <laughs> so um we i was in Jessie and kevin were both at her house and and i start bawling because it just it was it i i hurt i hurt a lot but it opened up this giant world of hurt and i sobbed uncontrollably and i was like Jessie, i found out um, I mean, I told her on the way to, and I was crying. I told her on the way to her house. I said, I found out why this guy broke up with me. 
it's because of cultural differences. And it wasn't until Brooke said, that's not okay. That's actually not okay. And I was sobbing uncontrollably. And I had to be consoled. And it was just not, I was inconsolable. So I have two stories to tack on to that. That is never okay. I'm guilty of that on the other end, whereas one of the reasons I won't date white men is because I don't, I reject you before you have a chance to reject me. That's part of it. And the other part is there are vast cultural differences between me and a white man that I don't want, I've said it before, that I don't want to traverse, to traverse through. Oh, and on top of that, sorry, before uh-huh. I forget, um, when I tried to explain this to our mutual friends... And I said, he's racist. Uh, They were all looking for the most generous interpretation of that story where their friend and my ex, you know, is it, he's not, I mean, that's harsh. And maybe he was saying that to get rid of you. It doesn't matter if he was even saying that to get rid of me. Racist as fuck and unacceptable and like fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like why? they were they were extending the most generous interpretation of it for him. Why? I, I, yeah. So and and that's that is also a version of racism is yeah. when you're blind to it because you don't want to confront. You don't want to confront it. So that part of that person. It. Yeah, yeah, you rationalize yeah. it. So the other part of it is that we all went out to dinner one time. We never aired that episode because there was a lot of fork clinking and um, awkward flirting with the waiter on Miranda's part. And <laughs> no, it was not awkward flirting on my... Why are you making shit up? The waiter wanted your number at the end of the day. It was, was on Drew's number. Whatever. We ran... We Worst ran, game of telephone ever. We ran into... My version's correct. We ran into... <laughs> Uh, a friend of mine, well, I ran to a friend of mine who dated somebody I knew who is Indian. He's Indian, too. And he, the reason they broke up was he told her that she was too American. So it's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, which is a reason I don't date Indian men. So it's like, <laughs> it's like you're too, you're, our cultural differences. I'm like, because I'm sane? Like, I don't, I don't understand. So I, to some extent... It is a valid concern to feel like long-term there are going to be like fundamental differences in how you view the world. But that's how you say that. You don't say, it's because you're brown in so many words. Plus, honestly, did you not know that going into it? It's not like, I mean, we're not hiding the fact that we're Indian. I didn't tan in our yeah. relationship. <laughs> like, I, okay, he could have said, I'm going to want kids and I know that you're not into that, da-da-da-da-da. He didn't say that. Plus, it wasn't about the kids. It was about me not being the same him being racist and I just wasn't taking care of myself. That's the main reason we broke up. But to tack on that horrific thing to say, mm-hmm. um, and to be, and if that's not the reason why, to be so fucking cavalier about it. And the thing is, I don't think he was lying. Yeah, I don't think he was lying at all. Yeah. I knew his parents were judging me the minute they saw me. Because I mean, he could have said, "I don't think we want the same things out of life." No, like, no, he didn't. But he didn't, and because he didn't, and chose to present it the way he did, I'm a, I'm a call you a racist. Yeah. Because there are more, I mean, I hate this story because, and Hassan's story as well, because you, and he talks about it um, in the sense when he reconfronts this woman later in life after he... I met him, I saw him again at a gig, and we were cordial, and it was, uh, we weren't horrible to each other, my hair and makeup looked fucking killer. That's... (laughs) Thank you, universe. Yeah, thank you, universe. (laughs) One day I care, you know. (laughs) And it mattered. And it mattered, yeah. And so, like, I uh, saw him at a gig. I said, hello, stranger, shook his hand. This was seven years later. And sat down, played a gig with him, made sure that my friend sat between us. 
I didn't want to breathe all of Can the same air. Can you be my racist buffer? Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So I ended up going to lunch with my friend who was sitting between us, and I explained to him the whole thing. And I, it was, like, it was my for, sort of forgiveness moment that <clears throat> the same one that Hassan had. Like, I could ignore you. I could be a total bitch. And I was even going to hide in the bathroom to, like, avoid him completely because I found out. I didn't find out he was there until the gig. I was just going to sit in the bathroom in the stall and breathe slowly until like, the gig started so I could just be at the gig, play my instrument, and leave. And on my way out to the bathroom, he walks directly into me. Like a movie. And, like in a movie. <laughs> like everything I planned totally didn't work out. It was like Hassan in that little like twirl he was doing. is <laughs> like planning on meeting this person again and being really cool about it. Being, yeah. Being so cool about it. And then he just got robbed of that cool moment. I got robbed of avoiding this guy and I just shook his hand and said, hello, stranger. I live for a moment. Long time. No see. I didn't, I wasn't ugly and I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to be ugly. Either. Uh-huh. And so whatever he has his, he's, he married and I don't know anything about his life, but, um, I'm sure that's nothing like proper Facebook stalking can take her, but I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't fucking care. I was just about to say that. I was like, one of the best feelings in life is realizing when you're confronted with somebody you held on hatred for for so much mm-hmm. or resentment for for so much and you see them and you're like, you're a non-motherfucking factor to me, turns out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, unlike you, Miranda, when I'm facing that situation, yes, I will have a panic attack, but I come out and I become the biggest show off in the world. <laughs> I'll go to the bathroom. I was pretty neutral. I was just like, I've done this around several guys and I feel like it's petty and, and, and stupid and I'll continue to do it. Um, (laughs) it's like, I just feel empowered. I'm like, Oh motherfucker, look what you just, you fucked up because everybody in this room loves me and I'll prove it to you and just go around and be gregarious. I did have those moments, yeah. like, but they were within the blast radius of the breakup. Oh, yeah. So. No, I do this forever. Every time I see you, I'm going to grab the shoulder of somebody I'm with and just throw my head back and do the fake laugh, even <laughs> if they said nothing and if they're a stranger. Because <laughs> I need you to know that there is joy in my life and I spread it to other people, but not you and your turd face. So, um, good for you and letting that go. And also good to get back on Hassan. Okay. Yeah, we digress. The, this is the best part of poetic irony or in the world, this story. And I encourage you to not sleep through it like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I like caught the end part. And the end part was the part I love the most of all stories. And it's the schadenfreude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Um, um, I also really liked him talking about his wife, who mm-hmm. is Hindu. I wanted to jump up when he said that. I was like, Yes! <laughs> The um, other part of this story was when he was talking about his sister and how he hated her. Because uh, it's such an interesting story, and we're not going to ruin it for you. Gotta let we've you already have ruined him. half of this. Yeah, we we got it. We're going to leave that part out. But but it's the part great. where they don't really have a close bond or a close relationship, and he's about to introduce his family to his wife's future wife's family, and she flew in from grad school for this introduction, mm-hmm. right? From Philly to California. Wait, wait. But to preface this, he, he has this thing that, that I thought was brilliant where he talks about like how you basically are born with a set of cards to play against your parents, which is a, kind of a metaphor for picking your battles. Like mm-hmm. there are certain fights that you can win <laughs> this is genius. and you need to hold on. So he, talk, he tells a story about like about his what, sixth birthday or something and how he could have played it then, but he held on to it because like, you know, you know, you're going to need them later. So that's the background for what happens. When right. I- so the dad turns to him right before they're about to open the door and says, what will people think? And that is, if that isn't like 
the all-shaming title that just shrouds India and India's culture and Indian family culture. It's just shame, shame, shamey fucking motherfucking shame. It's when, keep up appearances, darling. Yeah, keep up appearances. Yeah. yeah, it's bullshit, and it's in every family almost. And when I meet people, Indian people who don't have that, I'm like, you need to be probed by science. How do you not have mountains of shame from your family life? I don't know. I also need to understand, because I'm not Indian Indian, so and our family, I'm in diasporic Indian, so... If you, you know that if you've been listening. And, uh, <laughs> and so I feel like sometimes when I hear these stories, I'm like, wow, my parents really overcame that. And I mean, we still had our own West Indian oppressions, but, and they're very much Indian as well. But it's like the appearances thing was never a thing. Like my parents fought publicly in front of people all the time. So you knew our shit was fucked up, you know? Like, <laughs> and so it's like, oh my God, don't invite them anywhere. They're just going to fight. You know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, I like books. Because uh, we never went anywhere, which is a lie. We did. We had a very active social life. My parents know how to behave. But I love the idea of the Indian cards. And what Andrew neglected to tell you, which I think is the best part of the cards, and I'm going to spoil it for you, is the cards are things like, I'm playing this card right now because <clears throat> the medical school card, throwing it away. I'm not going. Uh, <laughs> grad, not going to be a doctor. Grad school card, throwing it away. So when he said he has to, to, to keep cards, he means that the quintessential Indian stereotypes for kids... I need to keep this close to my vest. Now, going back to the shame thing, I don't understand how Indian people can keep shame as a part of your lifestyle when I see Indian tourists in places without fucking shoes on. Like, (laughs) I went to the National Mall in D.C. for the uh, menorah lighting this last year, and there were Indian people there, old-ass aunties and saris with feet that looked like they could nail trees in the National Mall of D.C. And I'm like, how are you going to tell your kids... Oh, uh, beta. No medical school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck you say. Oh, you're not going to continue Bharatanatyam? Oh, why? My heart is dying. You don't wear shoes in public, bitch. <laughs> you ain't got... You, you got staph infection coming up in this house. We don't wear shoes in the house. What are you doing right now? Did you ride the metro without shoes? What the fuck? And so... How did you get there? The shame thing to me... How are you alive? Yeah. The shame thing to me always baffles me. Well, shame is... You know what? In defense of these ladies, I will say this. Ain't no defense. Because this was my thing when I was a kid. I would get I would get shit for going out in our front yard without wearing shoes or whatever. And I'm like, and they're like, and it was usually you know with my white friends or whatever. People would be worried about it. And I'm like, look, if if I can walk around in India without shoes on, there's nothing here that I'm concerned about happening to me. Like I'm fine. It's good. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite state is to be without shoes, but we moved to Texas and it's so fucking hot outside. You're free to burn. That's a problem. Well, the thing about shame is it lives and thrives in secrecy, silence, and judgment. So you can like be stupid in other ways, and shame can live on. I'm just saying, if I was a kid, I'd be like, "You ain't got nothing to say to me, Grandma, with those feet." <laughs> no. I'm ashamed of those feet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the story. Back to the story. <laughs> After all the shitty things that uh, Hassan did to his sister growing up, and their funny stories, not going to ruin it. In this one moment that was supposed to like mean the most, his sister turns around, and is like, "What the fuck?" What the fuck? And just like speaks up for him is like, no, Hassan's a comedian. She's a doctor. PhD. Yeah, you need to lock this down. Yeah, like, what? She may change her mind. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah. So she played one of her cards for him. Yeah. Yeah. In a moment of heroic sacrifice. Because the thing was, the way Hassan tells the story is him and his, he, he was like, okay. 
dad and they were about to leave. Right, yeah. Give up on the love of his life because his dad, like, that's love for a parent. If my dad looked at me and said, look, yakare, first of all, I'd be like, when did you learn Hindi? <laughs> Second of all, who the fuck? My, my dad would never say that. My mom would say it. My dad doesn't care about appearances. So he'd be like, all right, this person going to treat you right? Cool. Yeah, okay. He's still not good enough, but okay, we'll see. And uh, my mom's going to be like, you can't get divorced because, you know, how's that going to look? Right. Like, what great. will other people say? <laughs> well, he... It reminded me of a moment when I was in ninth grade and I was starting to enjoy the trumpet more, but uh, my old instrument, which is four years old, it's a beginner instrument and I needed a step up instrument. And I, like we mentioned in a previous episode, I had problems asking my parents for things. It made me feel like I could never ask them for anything and like I was a burden. And so I went up to my dad and I said, I need a step up instrument. I need a new trumpet. And it was like the third degree. It was like, what do you need this for? We spent yada yada money on this instrument, Scooby Dooby Doo, blah 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 blah. And and first of all, you're the one who wouldn't let me quit when I wanted to quit in eighth grade so I could be in color guard and do quote unquote girlier things because trumpet was a boy instrument. A lot of boys played it. Uh, I was surrounded by boys. I mean, that's and funny because it's who all liked flute players. So I felt like I was playing the wrong instrument. It was really interesting. My brother did the exact same thing. Like, I couldn't come up with the words to argue for it. And, you know, my mom was finishing up her master's and my, you know, but my dad was loaded enough to buy five cars for his family and pay and still have money left over for vacations. We weren't hurting. And my brother turns and just like enters the conversation. And he was a junior in high school at that time. And he never had to have a step in minister because he moved to bassoon. And he's like, this is a tiny fraction of your income. This would not hurt you one bit. It's $1,000. Of course, since trumpets you know, cost like $3,000, mm-hmm. uh, it's $1,000. This would not even make a scratch on your income. Just get her the instrument. Yeah. Like, she'll improve. She'll move, like, up. She'll be able to make a better sound. Da, 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 da. And he, I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Honestly. He probably said scholarship for college. I don't, no, I don't know. I don't think he said that even. I think he just said this is you, you're like basically you're being ridiculous, mm-hmm. denying her and making her like. And Randy really, Randy played a card for me, and basically I remember that. I will never forget it. He played one of his cards. Go fish, Randy. Thank you. <laughs> and then I ended up playing that trumpet for twenty years. And until I bought a new one, that B flat. I have lots of trumpets, but that one, my main instrument, that was my brother's doing. So, long story short, watch Homecoming King. If you're Indian, you will find so much of your story in it. If you're either immigrant or first generation or diasporic, if you're not Indian, maybe you can understand a little bit of what we felt this whole past several what two years of bullshit and maybe actually no since 9-11 one last thing before and Andre I know you have something to say compare Hassan's mm-hmm. comedy to if you know who Russell Peters is Russell Peters he's a Canadian mm-hmm. um, comedian who has banked off of like noticing the differences between the diasporas and milking that for comedy and I appreciate his comedy in the sense that that's the only time you see like representation of West Indians in mainstream comedy first of all but it, he says things that you would know if you're Indian or an immigrant or anything like that. That's funny. And I compared to Hassan's comedy, which he threw in Hindi 
he talked about his culture and the differences and things like that growing up, but he mined it for comedy in a way, and like you were saying earlier, he looked directly at the camera to make a point. And I love that he was so Indian in this. Just I, was I, so I, Indian. I love it because it of, wasn't. It was organically Indian. It was yep. like here's a story about my life. I just happen to be famous now, but I grew up brown. Surprise, surprise. Um, that, that is what I was going to say. That video, the Asian representation video, Constance Wu talked about how Asians have generally presented themselves like by neutralizing themselves and making us making ourselves as neutral as possible. And I, I instantly recognized that about Hassan's special that he didn't do that and she talks about that's what makes fresh off the boat different like minding those differences and those things that do make us distinct and unique and that's what he did i really love that he didn't shy away from using hindi and and using it in in pivotal moments and then just translating it for the people who didn't understand Mm -hmm. like me i really love that he did that that he didn't neutralize himself one of the things i really appreciate i said at the top was how enhances you saying hindi made me think about this the the background artistry the video graphics that wasn't there on his tour i don't think because he played really small clubs without that capability but he would put sanskrit up there and he would put really long indian words up there yeah and just breaking down things and doing charts <clears throat> the difference between hindus and muslims that I don't apply that in america so it's, yeah. it's, it's the funniest thing i loved him breaking down the Montague-Cuban Capulet rivalry between Hindus yeah. and Muslims yeah. to like the three most nonsense items ever. <laughs> and this is why we hate each other. It was, it was brilliant. I also thought it was an interesting that it took his father having a quintuple bypass for him to say meaningful things to his son. And it was just everything. That's all I can say about it. It was everything. It was so far beyond... Now, granted, the Indian people that have come before him, like Mindy and and Aziz, Hassan wouldn't be able to do what he did if it weren't for them, but he has gone far and beyond what everyone has done so far with this special. He's second wave brown. Like, I put him and Harry Kondabolu in the same level in the sense that you have Mindy and Aziz coming, in some sense, Iqbal Theba. Like, brown people exist, that's Iqbal Theba. Mindy and Aziz, brown people exist in your world, we are just like you. Hassan and Hari, brown people exist in your world. We're like you, but we're not. You know? Right. I love that. Because mm-hmm. it shows the multi-layeredness of humanity. I fucking right. love it. I told you I met Iqbal Theba. You did. And he looked just like anybody's normal uncle. And they're like, we have a we have a celebrity in the house at, you know, this upscale restaurant I was a host for. And I went over to their table and I was just like, oh, I've seen like five of you at a party I've been to every year of my life. Yeah. Like, you're just a normal dude. You're going to ask me when I'm not married next. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> or when I'm that you, married. Your co-worker's nephew. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you haven't seen Homecoming King, we recommend that you see it. Yes. Um, if you don't mind, we're going to go tubing down the Guadalupe now. So this has been Miranda. Pooja. And Anju. With the Jilted Indian Podcast. Hassan, you're welcome anytime for an in-person interview. Bye. We love you. Or to marry us. Yes, or fuck us. Uh, or anything. If your wife gives you permission. I, I don't know. No, we, lo- <laughs> we love that you're married to your wife. Yes. We just duplicate yourself and send them to me. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.